0: Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles uh, to Mark, the book of Mark, chapter 9. Also forgot, uh, one announcement I forgot as well. Don't forget the uh, uh, our UK annual Bible conference as well. Amen. The 9th uh, all the way to the 14th of October. Uh, be a blessing. Listen, if you've not... Uh, made me aware that you want to come for one of the days, I can might, maybe still sneak a couple of people in, get some books book some chairs and so on. It's getting few and far between. If you want to come for at least one day or something like that, do let me know. Um, if you've not let me know already, for those of you that are coming, um, it's coming around the corner a couple of weeks. We'll be there. It'll be a blessing. Why don't you pray that God will speak to you this conference? Pray that God will give you um, a word in season, God will give you clarity, God will give you direction. We're not going there just um, because it's fun, it's a time in London and we just, you know, it's it's a time where I believe God speaks uh, to people. So uh, why don't you pray, ask God to speak to you. But yeah, if you've not let me know and you want to come, do let me know and um, we'll sort that out. Uh, Amen. Mark, the book of Mark, we're looking at uh, for this uh, sermon. As I Thought about this sermon, I came across um, a sport uh, that I had not seen before. Um, how many people here by show of hands, have ever been skiing before? Have you been skiing before? Yeah, I didn't think so. OK? <laughs> yeah. uh, OK, How many want to go skiing? How want to go skiing? OK OK. A few crazy people up in a place. OK. <laughs> now I have no interest in cold or danger. Uh, <laughs> And that happens to be both of them wrapped up in one. Cold and dangerous. Um, and, you know, as if that's not enough, you know, skiing on its own is, you know, it's just cold, it's dangerous, you have to go down this slope and so on. Uh, There's actually a sport called power alpine skiing. Um, and what that is, is skiing, as if it wasn't hard enough, skiing for people that have uh, problems with their vision. <laughs> it's like... Dear Lord, it's already hard enough, but now you've got to throw something else in the mix. And they've got different categories. Literally, they've got a category that says B3. So that's a skier that is slightly impaired. So maybe one of your eyes is not really functioning correctly. The other one's okay. That's a category B3, and it's slightly impaired. It gets worse. There's B2, and that is semi-impaired. So maybe both your eyes are not really functioning. You can see, but not really well out of both of the eyes. And it gets even worse than that. There's a category B1, and that is fully blind. How on earth are you meant to ski down this slalom slope fully blind? And I, I, had to, I had to research that. I had to figure out what, how does this even work? How do you even comprehend doing that? And basically what they have is they have a guide who is in front of them, connected to them, telling them where to go and when to kind of shift left and shift right. Um, and I was like, wow, the amount of trust you have to have in that relationship for that to work. What would poison that relationship? And it's actually said in the article, a blind person says, I've been doing it for years. Um, and it's like the guide, it's, it's more than just the guy. They have a tight bond. They have a tight relationship. And he said these words, he says, what is a poison to this relationship is doubt. Come think about that. He says, if the guy tells me to turn left, I have to fully trust him and turn left. If I start to doubt and start to think, hmm, is he telling me the truth? Should I, you know, I would start to stumble because when I should have turned left, I'm, I'm doubting, I'm thinking, should I turn left? And I'm going straight when I should have turned left. It could cost me my life. He said the poison to that relationship is doubt. And I, as I read that article, I realised, and I can make a spiritual link It, You know I'm going, come on now. The poison to the relationship you have with God is doubt. So I want to preach a sermon of entitled, If, But, and Maybes. Mark chapter 9, we're going to read uh, 10 verses of Scripture. It may seem like a lot, but hey, we have to build up the narrative here. And it's the Word of God. You can't get enough of the Word of God. Can you say amen in this place? Come on, Mark chapter 9, we're going to be reading from verse number 14. We're reading out of the New Living Translation uh, for this portion of Scripture. Uh, I like the way it's translated here in the New Living Translation. Verse number 14, the Bible says that, When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of religious law was arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. Uh, What is all the arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, uh, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, uh, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us uh, and help us if you can. I love this response. Jesus says, what do you mean, if I can Anything is possible if a person believes. The Father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. If, buts, and maybes. You see, the funny thing about doubt is that doubt isn't full blown unbelief. Doubt isn't saying, listen, I don't believe you exist. I don't believe that there is a God. We know in Psalms 14 and verse number one, the Bible says, the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. Now, we're not talking about the existence of God. We're not talking about does God exist? Is there somebody out there? We're not questioning that. That is a question usually I have an outreach. We debate that. But this isn't talking about if you believe God exists or not. This is more a case of just doubting the fullness of God. It's not necessarily questioning his being, but questioning his brilliance. But I mean his qualities. Um, although we believe God, we believe he is, doubt can creep into our life and cause us to stumble in certain areas. And as we as we doubt, it begins to affect our relationship. It affects our cultivation. How we cultivate our relationship. We 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 read the word of God. It affects our communication as we, how we speak to God because we we don't really fully believe that this is going to have impact. It ultimately affects our continuation in terms of our commitment to Christ. Doubt is looking at the too good to be true factor. You see, in our text, the Father didn't really outright deny the power of God in fact he really desired it otherwise he wouldn't have brought his son to Jesus in the first place come on now that makes sense right but there was something there that he didn't really fully believe and he was just almost just throwing it out there shooting from the hip just trying to think hey God if you can do this see if you can help I'm just trying all my avenues here and you're just another one of them and Jesus responded saying what do you mean if I can He's saying anything is possible to a person who believes. And the thing is, I'm not preaching this sermon to condemn. I don't believe we should be condemned at the hearing of the Word of God. But we should see similarities. Because, listen, doubt comes to all of us sometimes. Come on, if you're real, there's sometimes doubt can creep in. Sometimes doubt can come in a a specific situation or a specific area, maybe something you've been praying about, and there's a little bit of doubt in your mind. It happens to the best of us. You know, Abraham, Sarah's wife, she was old, well advanced in years, the Bible says. And we all know the story that the angel of the Lord came and said, you're going to have a son. And And read this in Genesis 18, verse number 10 first, and we'll skip down. So verse number 10, it said, and he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. It says, Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself. After I have grown old, she says, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? Verse number 13, it says, And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? In other words, he's saying, Why did you have doubt? Are you doubting my abilities? Are you doubting the power that I have? How about Moses? Moses here was uh, the great man used to lead uh, from anywhere between 1 million to 2 million people out of Egypt. He saw the power of God. And at a time where they were complaining, talking about they're hungry, they need some food to eat. And God said, listen, we're going to give them meat that they'll be able to eat. And his response in Numbers 11 verse 21 says, As Moses said, the people who I am among are 600,000 men on foot. And you have said, I'll give them meat that they may eat for a whole month. And here's the the doubting here. It says, shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them to provide enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to provide enough for them to eat? Look at God's response. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, has the Lord's arm been shortened? Now you shall see whether what I say will happen to you or not. I find that a similar response here. God is questioning and saying, are you questioning me? (laughs) Are you saying that I can't do this? Where is this doubt coming in? Where is this doubt coming from? And as we skip to the New Testament, we see the father of John, John the Baptist, Zacharias in Luke 1. uh, He's told that you're going to have a son. And in verse number 13, it says, the angel said to him, do not be afraid for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call him John. Verse number 18, if we skip down, it says, and Zacharias said to the angel, how should I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these good tidings. But behold, you'll be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my word. Or in other words, you doubted God. And here we see the issue of doubt. Doubt questions the application of God's word. Maybe not in its entirety, but partially. You may have read something and say, okay, that's good for that person, but what about for me? Or you've read the Word of God and you say, okay, that happened back then, but what about now? Many times people read the Word of God and they think, you know, can that actually happen right now? My Bible tells me that Jesus Christ is the same when? Come on, so where is the doubt coming from? If it's the same God that's able to speak of healing, is able to uh, uh, flow in the power of the Holy Spirit, is able to cause things, to stop, cause things to open, cause blessings to fall down, do not we serve the same God right now. But sometimes when we're going through things, we can think personally against me, okay, maybe it's good for them, but personally I have doubts for me. Maybe the circumstances will work for you, but for me, I'm not so sure. Doubt is something that creeps in over time. You know, when a child, I find it fascinating when I, uh, I'm seeing my children grow up before my eyes, maybe uh, some of them a bit grown up too fast, amen, but some of them, you know, when I see them grow up, when they first that were fresh, you know, straight out, uh, straight out the oven, as I say, they're fresher. As they're growing up, toddling, uh, they believed every word I said, every word I said. They had no doubts at all. I could say whatever, and they believed it. Now as they're getting older and older, I say some things, and I say, especially my oldest, God bless you, Naomi. Sometimes she looks look at me thinking, hmm, it's actually true. <laughs> and I'm like, are you doubting me? <laughs> I'm the one that brought you into this world. And I start getting all high and mighty. Start getting, I didn't bring him in this world. God brought him in this world. Amen. And, but she's starting to doubt, and, it, and what it is, doubt creeps in over time. As she sees things play out, she sees uh, 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 that I'm not as perfect as she maybe once had thought. Now doubt is starting to creep in of how it is. And as we are serving God, sometimes the longevity, we're going through certain things for certain periods of time. Doubt can start to creep in. Starts to think, actually, is this real? Actually, is this going to happen? And there's a few causes of doubt. I'm going to look at a few causes here. The first one i will look at is uh, uh, doubt is caused by an alternative truth. An alternative truth. And this goes back, way back to the Garden of Eden. We know this story, Genesis 3. Uh, and it says here in verse number two, and it says, and the woman said to the serpent, uh, this is talking to the serpent, listen, we may eat all the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat, uh, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. How many know that's truth right there? That's the truth right there. That's the conviction. But something changed in verse number four when the serpent said, uh, nah, that's not true. You won't surely die. And as he, she heard those words, uh, doubt started to creep in. What if people said to you that now doubt has started to creep in? That maybe before you had a strong conviction, but maybe after speaking to your auntie or speaking to your uncle or, or speaking to your colleague at work, now is, there's a bit of doubt going on. Now, you know, there's a bit of, you know, does this actually work? You know, I've said this before, but sometimes, you know, some people tell me, listen, you know, back in the day, I used to do this, I used to do that, and I used to say this, but now it's different now. What's changed? Has somebody spoken something that's added some doubt into your mind? So actually, if you actually believe this is real, who family members who have spoken some things, friends have, may have spoken some things, and now there's an alternative truth. And Now before what used to be conviction eh, is now up for debate. How many know the Word of God is not up for debate? Come on now if it's in the bible it's conviction i have a conviction if it's in the word of god there's no debating it there's no doubt about it but if you sit around and you have those debates and you can you can easily get bamboozed. you know one of the things my pastor was uh, uh, telling me is that um, you know when you're witnessing if you if you witness above your intelligence it can become it can become trouble <laughs> And what he was saying to me he was—he's basically said, you know, when I was new in Christ, he's saying, "Listen, don't, don't, don't start saying things you don't even know." Because um, I used to try and argue with uh, uh, scientists and argue with professors and so on. And uh, I was punching above my weight. Um, and what would happen is they would say some things, and I'd get all confused and get all bamboozled, right? Because uh, I didn't have enough conviction uh, to say, no, "No, no, no, this is the truth." And it's the same if you allow people to speak some things in your ears, speak some things in your presence, and then all of a sudden you come away from that conversation and the things you used to have strong convictions for are now debatable. Sometimes you've just got to say, no, I'm not gonna be listening to that. I always think in the Garden of Eden, was it normal that a serpent should speak? Was that normal? (laughs) And if it wasn't normal, I wouldn't be standing and having a conversation. I'd be out there eating my fruit that I can eat and leave the serpents in itself. But hey, she did it. We spoke and we're in this mess today. Amen. The next one I look at is situation. Situation. Look at Matthew 14, verse number 28. The Bible says, and Peter answered him. This is when Peter was going to step out of the boat into the water. Peter answered him said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? He doubted because he saw the situation around him. You know, before he was in the boat, it was fine. But as he stepped out, the Bible says he saw the waves were boisterous. You know, sometimes situations can cause us to doubt. Actually, is this what I'm meant to be doing? Sometimes you go out and things don't happen how you expect them to happen. And it can cause you to doubt calling. It can cause you to doubt uh, 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 your convictions and things that happen around you. Maybe it can cause you to doubt was this the right decision? You know, I remember one of my friends when we was all got saved in Derby, we had a change, we had a decision to make. We was there at university. When we finished our university do we stay in Derby or do we go back home to our mama's house in London do we do that we saw that God was moving in the church that we got saved in so we all made a decision to stay in the church that God had saved us in and I remember when we all made that decision things started going wrong people started losing jobs and people were on the brink of losing their house and it started to think wait a minute was this the right decision to make before I had a conviction saying Derby is my home, ride or die. Something happened, and now there's doubt creeping in. Doubt can creep in when situations don't work out, and your focus—if it's taken off Jesus, just like Peter took his focus off Jesus and looked at the situation—and then sometimes the problems can cause you to doubt the power of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, "Listen, why did you doubt? Your situation may have changed." But I have not changed. Your situation may look worse, it may look crazy, but I'm still the Savior of the universe. Come on now. As long as I'm still here, as long as I have the power to reach out and save you, there should be no room for doubt. We need to keep our focus, we need to keep our gaze on Jesus Christ, and then we'll be able to push out doubt, push it aside, and believe God for the things He's promised once again. See, because when things don't go to plan, even some of the best of us can be caused to stumble. You know, I find it fascinating. Uh, It's found in the book of Matthew, chapter 11. We have uh, the account of John the Baptist as he's thrown into prison. And we know John the Baptist was the forerunner for Christ. His whole ministry uh, was there to point people to Christ. His whole ministry was there to point people to the coming Messiah and he says when Jesus entered the scene he says look there oh is the lamb slain for all of us. Listen and he told his disciples listen that's the person you need to follow. He said This one coming I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. His whole ministry was to point people to Jesus Christ. That's what he was here for and at the time he got thrown into prison. Oh the situation got a bit worse and then he had had to ask his disciples, go to that man Jesus who I've been talking about and say to him, are you the common one or do we look for another? Even John the Baptist suffered with doubt. And listen, if John the Baptist can suffer with doubt, listen, how many know you and I can suffer with doubt? Come on, you believe in God for healing but then you get a diagnosis for something else. Doubt can creep in. Come on, you're believing God for financial breakthrough and then you get a letter through the door with red letters. Who's had one of those letters before? Red letters. (laughs) It's not nice. Doubt can creep in. You just give your tithe. You're saying, you know, I I, I feel convicted to give 10% of my wage into the house of God. You do that and you look back and you think, how can I live now? Doubt can creep in. And now the next month, because there's doubt in your mind, you're thinking, ah, should should I do that again? Doubt can creep in. You make a decision to say, I'm going to pray for people. I'm going to go out and witness on the street. You go out, evangelize. Nobody gets saved. Doubt can creep in. And we need to understand that there is a purpose in doubt. There is a purpose for doubt. And what it is there to do is remove the assurance You know, in Deuteronomy 26, or 28, sorry, in verse number 66, there is a cursing of disobedience. There's a whole long list of curses. I want to pick out one of them. In verse number 66, it says, Your life shall hang in doubt before you. You shall fear day and night and have no assurance of life. This is one of the cursings of disobedience, is that doubt will come upon you and you'll have no assurance. You know, one of the things I cherish... Uh, I was speaking to somebody this morning. One of the things I cherish is the blessed assurance that I have. The blessed assurance that one day, come on, you know what I'm talking about. That one day, that trumpet is going to sound and I'm going to be caught up with my Saviour in the air. The blessed assurance that because of the price that He paid, oh, I'm going to enter into heaven and walk on pavements of gold. Because of the price He paid, I'm going to be justified and it'll be just as if I never sinned. I'm going to live with my Saviour forever. That is the blessed assurance. But what doubt does is that it takes that assurance away. Doubt makes you think, I'm condemned. Doubt makes you think, actually, am I living like this, or am I, am I, am I in over my head? You know, in salvation, they, they, they say there's a, a three groups of people. There's one group of people who are secure, but they're not sure. There's another group of people that are sure, but they're not secure. And there's a third group of people that are secure and sure. They have no doubt they have the blessed assurance and that's what we need to get to that's what we need to understand because James 1 verse number 6 says he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind you see when you doubt doubt causes you to change your mind doubt causes you to change your trajectory once she was on fire once she was making decisions for the purposes and will of God but doubt creeps, creeps in and it starts to attack your trust. And worst of all, it removes the power that you have. You know, you are as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, should have a measure of power and authority. But doubt removes that power. Look at Matthew 21 and verse number 21. The Bible says, So Jesus answered and said to you, listen, assuredly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed moved and be cast into the sea, it will be done. If you don't have doubt, if you have strong conviction, your prayer life will change situations. Can you say amen in this place? If you don't have doubt, listen, you would speak things and you would see that come to fruition and you would stand and have endurance knowing that the promises of God will unfold in your life, knowing that there is a destiny for you, knowing that there is a future and a hope that God has for each and every one of us, but doubt removes that power. Doubt removes that authority. Doubt brings in a a, a question, a question mark. Listen, when we serve God, there should be no question marks. Listen, because I can't think of a time where somebody has asked God why, and He has answered them directly. Because when we serve God, it should be 100% trust, no question mark, no doubt. Without doubt, we can have the power that God has called us to have. And I want to look Finally, tonight, uh, at overcoming doubt. You see, we should doubt, uh, as a famous saying, and many preachers have said this, but we should doubt our doubts. You see, the opposite of doubt is conviction. And we should have uh, that conviction uh, that what God said uh, is what's going to happen. We should have that conviction that what Jesus did uh, has paid uh, for my sins. Look at First John. 5 and verse 11. The Bible says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And it says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, and look into this, it says, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. It says that you may know. If you know something, there is no shadow of a doubt. When you live under the knowledge of what Christ has done, when you live under the knowledge of the things that he has done, listen, it gives you an authority. It gives you a power. It allows you to overcome doubt. It allows you to overcome the lies of the enemy so that we can be all that God has called us to be. Because some things you may be going through, listen, doubt, like I said at the very beginning, isn't saying that God doesn't exist. Doubt is just maybe in certain areas of my life, certain issues, certain points, and I may not feel, Fully believe 100% well tonight we need to cast out doubt, can you say amen in this place come on tonight we need to overcome any doubt that what God has promised us is not going to come to pass, it will come to pass otherwise he would have never have said it, we need to push doubt out and as we push doubt out you'll be able to do wonderful things for God, you'll be able to do wonderful exploits for God because doubt says things like what if this doesn't work out, or maybe there's another way, or what if this won't happen, Doubt says these things, but we need to come to Jesus. As this Father came to Jesus and said, God, help my unbelief. It's not a sinner to say, oh, you're not wrong to have a bit of doubt. But when you recognise that, come to Jesus and say, God, help my unbelief in this area. Listen, I'm finding it hard to believe you for this. Help my unbelief for this area. I'm finding it hard to believe that you're going to deliver me because I can't see a way out of this. Help my unbelief. And as you come to Jesus like that, humbly, knowing, listen, help me know, He knows your heart anyway. He knows what you're thinking anyway. So there's no use in hiding it. Come to Jesus and saying, God, I'm having trouble believing you for this area. Strengthen my faith in this area. Strengthen my faith for this problem. Help me. And as we do that, God will strengthen your faith. God will cause you to read something that will encourage you. God will cause a brother or sister to say something to you that will lift you up. God will cause you to hear a sermon that will give you hope once again. God will cause you to come into a situation and then you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We need to push out our doubts and believe that God is who he says he is. Who wants to say amen in this place? Come on now. When we serve God, we, w- we want to remove any ifs, buts, or maybes. And we serve God with a certainty. The man said, have mercy on us and help us if you can. Come on, let's a pray to pray like that. If we're honest, thank God. If, you could, if there's anything you could do, please. Right? And Jesus' response, what do you mean If? Like, I love, sometimes you go, I read the Bible, sometimes I I chuckle to myself. I wish I was there in that kind of conversation, just there. Jesus' face saying, bro, do you know who I am? Where was you, like when he spoke to Job, where was you when we laid the foundations of this world? Come on, you're saying, if I can do this. Where was you when I breathed breath into the first man? I formed him from the dust if I can do this. Come on, I'm the one that flung stars into space, and you're saying, if I can do this. Listen, the sun, the sun is not even the largest star there is out there, and if we were to move just a little bit closer to it, we'll all burn up and die, and you're saying, if I can do this. And there's some situations in your life going on, and you're having doubts, saying, God, I don't know, you can do this, but this one, it might be a bit too hard for you. God must have looked at you and say, what do you mean, if? Is my hand shortened that I can't move? Come on, have I all of a sudden lost power, have I lost majesty? Come on, there is nothing that is impossible for God. And as we reiterate that simple truth in our mind over and over again, we can push out doubt and live with a certainty and live with a blessed assurance that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ever ask or even think. No longer that we're going to have ifs or buts or maybes. Let's give him praise in this place right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes in this place. If, buts, or maybes.